All right, hello, welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. Uh, tonight we are playing uh, Die, the role-playing game once again, uh, published by uh, Rowan Rook and Descartes, uh, based on the comic. Uh, last week we uh, we started up, we did our, our social group creation, started working on our personas, uh, dove into the game just a tiny bit. Uh, and this week we're going to dive in a lot more. We're going to start rolling some dice, and we have a full party. As uh, last week, Chad uh, was was late, uh, and uh, he is he, he is here now. I should probably switch over to the. Uh, so the, a little thing I did is I made two overlays: one with your persona names, and one with your uh, with your paragon names. They're all very complicated and totally a waste of probably my time. Um, anyhow, <laughs> classic Chad, always late, always late. <laughs> So, uh, I figure, do we want to just do like a quick, just a quick summary of, of your care? Like we'll, we'll introduce Chad in game, but for those of you that, that were here last week, you want to just give us a, like a really quick recap of your persona, like who you are, that kind of thing. Uh, sure. so we'll start with Kipser. Uh, Kipser, tell us a couple things about Amory. Uh, Amory was very interested in nature walks in high school, liked to be the ride or die person for her friends and was super into music. Uh, then she had an accident out in the woods too far for sport, got uh, infection, neurosis, or sorry, necrosis into her arm, lost it, uh, was embarrassed by it, didn't want to meet her friends, became a drunk and hangs out in the woods still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you, if this is the first time you're watching this, so like what we're doing is we, we play, we st we're a teenage group, like all six of us and even me, we were a teenage role-playing game group. We established some of the like, stuff about our teenage group and then we flash forward 15 years and that's when we're playing as adults, as Kipser was just sort of describing the things that happened to, uh, her character of Amory uh, over yes. that 15 years. Right. Uh, what about you, Melissa? Tell us about Delilah real quick. Uh, yeah, so Delilah Ayers, uh, when she was a teenager, actually kind of before playing role-playing games, uh, she was actually uh, burned pretty badly in a house fire. Um, and so she, in uh, in high school, was kind of quite goth, uh, you know, kind of black clothes, hoodies, baggy, kind of that whole thing. Um, as an adult, she actually did kind of continue with her art career, um, but it is kind of soulless commercial art at this point. Uh, she recently had some plastic surgery um, that her kind of current group of friends encouraged her to get, you know, kind of has to do with some of the scarring and different things like that. Um, and so she was a bit hesitant to kind of get back together with all of these folks uh, because she felt like they would judge her for being superficial for making that choice. Okay, perfect. Uh, next up, Aaron, tell us a thing or two about Deacon. So Deacon Dredd as a teenager was a theater kid, uh, never wanted to be the lead. He always was the action guy, loved stage fighting, loved flamboyant movements. Damn handsome kid, chased the prom queen, won the prom queen, realized he hated the prom queen, but he was stuck with her. Enjoyed his high school career until his hippie parents, particularly his father, who was a drunk, got in a car accident and killed the family that he hit, including another student in his class, which kind of made him a social pariah. His father went to jail, uh, fell in with some groups who were involved in organized crime. Deacon got pulled into that world first as a teenage courier, but for the last 15 years, he's worked his way up in the organization, has become a made man and realizes the only way he's getting out of the life is in a pine box and he hates 
every moment of his adult existence. Very nice. Uh, one of my, that reminds me of one of my favorite, when you started talking about how much of a looker he was, one of my favorite details we came up with last time was how Delilah's mom always used to try to set Delilah up with either Deacon because like you were so good looking or Billy because Billy was like a smart kid. And then Sean, who Jeremy plays, was always jealous of that fact. Like, why, why, why aren't you trying to set her up with me? You know, <laughs> what's what's wrong with me? I, I just I love that detail so much. So why not Sean, Jeremy? What's uh, what's the deal with Sean? I know Sean always just really worked hard to kind of fit in and do what he thought people thought he was supposed to do. So like he was in a sports team every season, um, didn't really have a lot of school spirit, but just it was nice to do things with other people there. Um, you know, really nice guy, just kind of second fiddle most of the time. And, uh, you know, his dad was a military guy, thought he was going to go do ROTC, be a big American hero. Then the late 90s, early 2000s happened. He chickened out and just kind of followed that path of least resistance. And now he's a call center supervisor and he's divorced and he's got a little girl and he's just got a soul crushingly safe life. He's kind of happy to come back and do this. Mm -hmm. A young uh, daughter named Tina, who yep. was, did we establish whether she was named after Delilah's oh, younger totally. sister, Tina? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so Delilah had a... Yeah, Delilah had a younger sister that would show up to games. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I have in characters, like I have this little like robot butler that works for me. And I would let your sister play that anytime. And I just loved how absolutely bonkers your sister was when she played the game because she didn't care about Billy's story at all. And she was amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, uh, so we're going to get started and we're going to introduce Chad as we go. Uh, and so we can kind of get to know him and why he was late and all that kind of fun stuff. And yeah, we'll see. So uh, so quick summary. Last time around, we did our session zero. We did all that kind of stuff. We're teens in the 90s, right? Drifted apart 15 years to come back together. And we're all coming back together because one of our friends, Stephen, a uh, shared friend, uh, he, he passed away. And so they everyone, like those those people who got out of town were coming back. Uh, we didn't really establish a town, but in my prep for this week, I feel like we're in Jersey uh, because that was a sort of a reference. To, so we're going to be in New Jersey because we were looking for a place that was relatively populated uh, because we had a very big high school. So so Jersey is going to be we don't have to be too more specific than that. But Jersey, uh, we uh, we eventually did start playing a little bit. We met up as adults at mom's kitchen, which was our, our, our normal spot. It was a late rainy night. It was after the uh, after the the funeral. Uh, I organized the game, Billy, uh, you know, Billy being the forever GM as usual, uh, dinner uh, did th at the diner, you all started coming around. I referenced a, uh, a, a familiar urban legend, uh, that went around in the nineties about a group of teens who disappeared maybe in Ohio or maybe it was Indiana while playing a role-playing game. And then they returned two years later, never saying a word about what happened to them, why they were gone, what happened to them, why they were gone, anything like that. So Billy told you all, myself, that, uh, that uh, yeah, I, I got I got the game off eBay. Uh, I got the game off eBay and I started handing out character sheets uh, and dice. And we had this little dice dropping ritual. We all closed our eyes, dropped our dice. There was an intense bright light. There was this horrific sound of grinding metal. And when we all opened our eyes, we were somewhere else, sort of like we were we were still in mom's kitchen, but everything was just a little bit off. The employees were moving stiffly and, and backwards, like something at Twin Peaks outside, like everything was kind of seemed almost like frozen in time as raindrops were, were sort of mid fall. Other customers that were in the diner, uh, they disappeared. 
And then you all started hearing this tinny little laugh. And when you looked over to where Billy had sat just a moment prior, you saw a man who was was most mostly machine, or at least part steampunk, part horror, part cyberpunk, some kind of mixture of things. And then he said, I can't believe it worked. He grabbed his D20 and he disappeared in this flash of rust and dust. He started scattering around after that point, trying to figure out what exactly happened. Amor, you knock, started knocking over the workers. You discover that they actually were like, animated metal miniatures uh but grown large painted over almost like puppets uh delilah and sean you went through billy's bag you found this large geometric key that didn't work on the front door that deacon tried because it just the front door was fake it was painted on uh then it was when sean actually saw movement for once out the windows and there was a someone outside uh this hybrid flesh machine humanoid wearing letterman jackets with a little stitching that said caleb on it uh, harassing you all just like you did, but just like they did back in the day uh, when you used to play role-playing games in here. And then they started like bursting through the walls and the windows uh, and uh, all your dice started to glow and spin and hover ominously. And one by one, each of you grabbed their, you've grabbed your dice and you, uh, you transformed into basically the most memorable RPG character that you play, probably the one you played in our, our famed or long-running D&D game, our second edition game from the 90s. And that's kind of where we ended. But instead of picking up right there, we're going to actually pick up a couple hours earlier. Uh, and we're going to actually start in, I would say, what do you think, Evan? Probably a, a high-end hotel room? Like, is it is it a nice hotel yeah, room? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's nice. Uh, okay, so it's a very nice, the nicest that whatever town in jersey that we are in has to offer it's the finest thing you could possibly find here uh what's the state of the room is it is it messy is it clean like what, what's going on no it's clean uh chad's a very organized person i think it's um it's only messy with like a like a calendar or some sort of like binder he has of all of these different things that he's juggling and he's kind of flipping through it while he's on the phone and so when we see you kind of flipping through it, when you see you on the phone, are you, are you pacing? Are you sitting down? And, and what do we see? What does Chad look like? Um, Chad now, he is very fit. He, I guess I can talk about Chad's background a little bit. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So Chad was also a jock. He was a very famous soccer player at the high school. Um, but when he was, before high school, he had a uh, brother who was very sick. And so they would draw monsters and weird have weird stories of fantasy and things like that to take their mind away from what was happening and so chad kind of when he passed away chad used that artistic ability to basically start graffiti so he would go around town and do the same thing he did with his brother and that was kind of his outlet to coping with everything and eventually he met the group and um but whenever he graduated he was so famous he went off to play overseas in europe and became famous over there and that whole part of his life just kind of got sidelined and he never really thought about it um he got married to just a beautiful woman she's pregnant and now he's just working on becoming a soccer commentator so he's dealing with all these things and juggling all these business deals um so he's just dealing with that currently and that's kind of what sparked him being late is that he's on the phone dealing with other things and he's just completely lost a lot of his uh i guess memory on the the old times so uh would we say so as we kind of like set the scene here like you're you're on the phone you've got your calendar out we hear the conversation happening uh did did chad make the trip himself for this funeral or did the the the, the did your wife come or did, did chad just come on his own i think chad went on his own i don't think he's really okay. said a whole lot about that part of his life to his wife 
because okay. she, you know, knows him as like this famous person versus like this sad time in his life when I was a kid. Okay, so while you're on the phone, then, so as we see Chad in his this very very nice, very clean, very uh, high end hotel room, uh, we we see him on the phone. We hear him kind of talking business stuff being exchanged here and there. And it's interrupted, Chad, by the sound of a, a knock on the door, a very loud knock on the door, like like not, a, not not one that's meant to be just sort of like kind, you know, like just a quick knock, but like a, almost like a pounding on the door. Uh, what does Chad do? I think initially he ignores it. He's so wrapped up in what's happening. And I'm sure it's like late at night or something. And he's kind of like, yeah, you know, he just continues talking continues flipping through he's reading something it's just his mind is focused on what it shouldn't be because he's here by himself to be you know partake in his funeral but Mm -hmm. he's just lost in what his normal life is or what has become normal for him so a couple moments go by it's really just you hear what's on the phone you probably hear a little bit of the rain kind of pattering against the against the window as it is kind of rainy tonight and then the bang happens again It's, it's and it's even louder this time uh, and then a second time, and then it's like kind of in like rapid session to the point where it becomes obnoxious in some way, like to the, to the point where like they're, they're just not stopping. Um, and even the people you're on the phone with and they're like, what, everything all right, Chad? Like they're like, they, what, what the hell is that? Uh, yeah, one second. And he'll like press mute or something and he'll go open the door. It got fr- kind of frustrated cause he's clearly doing business and he's like, what could be so important that's happening? And when you open the door, uh, you can see on the ground in front of you, much like where like you would might you might put uh, like what's it called uh, room service after you're done. Uh, you can see there is a, uh, a, a like a reused flat rate envelope, like a USPS flat um, uh, flat rate envelope just sitting on the ground in the hallway right outside you. It's a relatively uh, empty hallway. You don't really see any, like there's, there's other folks who have put out like, you know, trays here and there. It's, it's, it's past dinner time. The only person you see is like maybe about 50 feet down the hall. You can see a man uh, kind of in, in work clothes. You hear the ding of an elevator, kind of steps on the elevator and disappears. And he's the only one you see, but there on the ground is this on is envelope. And you can see written in, in what looks like, like, you know, permanent marker, very big kind of uh, blocky lettering. Uh, attention, Chad Brosel, urgent, open immediately. And all of that is handwritten. Like there's no sticker or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he, Chad will bend over, he'll pick it up. He'll quickly go back to the phone. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, someone's knocking on my door. And he'll start kind of continue the conversation. And he'll look at the letter for a second and Open and the it. guys on the phone will be like, you know, if, you, if you're busy, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, it's okay. You know, we, no, we, no, no, we, don't, we it's, it's, a, no, it's fine. I can, I can keep talking. It's, it's not important. So you, when you look at the envelope, uh, like in addition to what's been handwritten, you notice that there's like this scratched out, uh, this scratched out address that was on it at some point, uh, Pilgrim's Elevator Solutions. Uh, and it's like, it almost, it just looks like a business and local business, uh, might even, it's. I don't know how much Chad would have kept up with people. Uh, would he have none at all? Mm-hmm. So it probably doesn't even ring a bell whatsoever. Uh, but if you open it up, you can see that inside, like like if you kind of dump it out, two things fall out. First, like something fairly heavy falls out, kind of stumbles across. Like maybe you catch it, maybe it spills across the table, whatever it might be. 
but you see this beautiful D10. Uh, it's like this reflective grown. It's like, it's, it's actually a, a very beautiful die. It looks like it's as it's about as pristine as it could possibly be. You can see that the lettering itself for the, for each of the sides is this brilliant bright red. Uh, and then you see a, a sheet of paper, one sheet of paper slide out. Uh, and it's like a character sheet. looks like it's already been filled out. And as you, as you start scanning through it, like you can see like, some of it looks familiar, but some of it doesn't like it's, this is like, you see player name, Chad, character name, artist, you can see there's these details about your character, but it looks like no game you've played before. It doesn't look like a D and D sheet, anything like that. Uh, but some of the, some of the details in there, some of the descriptions of, of the character look very familiar. Um, and then on the back, you see there's more handwriting and there's, and there's just a blank sheet on the back, but there's again, matching that same writing on the envelope. It says blocky writing. It says you're going to need this. No second guessing, only second chances. See you soon, Billy. Hmm. So yeah, I think he takes a second, looks at it. He kind of looks at the dice. He's still on the phone, still kind of mm -hmm. talking through all of this. And then he starts to spin the dice and kind of just watching it. It's I think he has a little bit of flashbacks of some memories that he hasn't thought about in 15 years or so. And then as it kind of slowly stops, he kind of has a, he just realizes, oh shit. And he's like, picks up the dice, picks up the character sheet and starts sprinting out on the phone. He's like, oh, I gotta go. I forgot about something. And just hangs up and starts to sprint out of the hotel. So you, you sprint out, obviously hotel doors, they lock and close automatically. No problem. And you're like, you're running down the hall. It's again, it's a very, um, it's a very empty hallway. No one else is here. It's, 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 you're probably about an hour late. I think we, what, what time did we say we met up like nine? Cause we were like, we're all old. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think we said yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you're probably about 40, like you're probably half an hour, 45 minutes late. You're probably about 20 minutes away and you're running down and you, you get to the elevator, kind of climb on, you hit, you know, you hit the lobby. It's a pro, you're again, you're probably fairly high up. Uh, you got a, got a very, very high and high quality, uh, room. And as you start, traveling down you travel like if you're still on the phone you're still talking like you're getting some some signal interruption at this point which isn't uncommon in an elevator like you're, you're like they're they're cutting out they're like what say that again what, what was that you said and about about two or three floors of movement you see the lights kind of travel and you certainly hear this like this almost terrifying cacophony of like this metallic grinding sounds like the elevator is breaking down the lights start to flicker. You hear like the voice in your ear go chat and they don't even say the D as like the phone drops. Everything flickers, goes dark. And you are in this elevator complete. It's completely black, completely empty. All you hear is that horrible sound. And then the blackness is replaced by just sheer bright white light to the point your eyes begin to water. And then after a moment, Everything kind of settles. You hear the ding of the elevator door. And everything seems fine again. Well, that was weird. He just walks out. So you step out. You're looking at your phone, like, because, like, you know, maybe trying to redial something. Mm -hmm. You're noticing you don't have bars anymore. You take a couple steps. You feel a vibration in your pocket, which is kind of strange because your hand, your phone's in your hand. And so that your, your pocket's kind of vibrating for a bit. You know, maybe you instinctively reach for it, but as you do, you look around and you realize you are not in a hotel lobby. 
Like you, this is, this was a very nice lobby. There was a, there was like a fountain on the inside and there was a bar, like a really high, you know, high top type of bar at really nice booze. You don't see anything like that. Instead, you appear to be in a kitchen. You see not a very good kitchen either. You can see it's kind of old and grimy. You can see on the ground, just a few steps from you, there is a partially broken metallic statue of what appears to be some kind of some sort of visions of like a, of a line cook. It's like, like an apron and everything. Uh, you hear voices. Um, and when you look through like the serving window and across some of the prep table in the, in the kitchen, it dawns on you for a second where you're at. You, it actually just, just that moment, like maybe your brain's back there because you're thinking of heading there, but you see that you are in mom's kitchen. It's a weird angle for you because normally you're, you're sitting out front, but you can see the familiar, like nothing's changed. They have not updated this place whatsoever. <laughs> and you then, as your eyes are like scanning through some of the booths and the jukebox, you see a strange glow as a woman in her thirties that is kind of familiar to you in some way, but different, kind of all the same. She reaches out with her one intact arm because you notice that the other one is not intact and she grabs this this d12 this glowing floating object from the corner booth the corner booth that you would be familiar with and instantly transform and and, and amory can you remind us what we see when amory shifts so you would see as Amory shifts, uh, her hair, which is really cut very short and greasy, suddenly becomes long and dark. Uh, she gets these red marks uh, all the way down her face as face paint. Um, and she gets this sort of medieval looking green cloak with a little skull on the bottom of it and this burgundy cape. Uh, that almost looks more like a scarf, but has a hood, uh, nice brown boots, and two massive scythes appear across her back. So, so Chad, this is what you actually see. You just got off the elevator 10 seconds ago. You look down, there's a broken, metallic, painted human being. You look up, you see a woman who looked normal for a second, suddenly appear like that. And then as your eyes dart around, you see there are three other individuals that you apparently have just stumbled into like a cosplay convention because they don't <laughs> look normal and let's just go through them really fast so melissa what is what does he see uh when he looks over and there's diala standing there so diala uh has a shaved head everything that she is wearing is clean and tight so you know kind of starting at the bottom she's got kind of like leather boots that are laced up and laces are tucked in she's got brown leather pants and she's got kind of a tight black top that kind of comes up to kind of her neck a little bit and around her left arm is looks almost like a bracer it's this kind of very shiny metal um, that she's got kind of around her left wrist. And then what do we see with Dread? So when you see Dread, physically he looks similar to Deacon. Um, he's got short black hair, uh, styled and kept short so nobody can grab it in a fight. But his gray, blue-gray eyes shift to yellow right as you see him. And shadows, shadowy tears seem to pool from his eyes and almost drip down his face in a harlequin mask. He's wearing a long black trench coat, so black and so deeply 
pulled into the shadows that you can't see his body within it. All you see are his hands out of the sleeves and his legs coming out of the bottom. And when you look at those hands, uh, black tarry shadows drip down his fingers and coat the ends of his fingers. And then as we look over, what do we see with Tristan? I would say Tristan is like the polar opposite of Dread. (laughs) He's tall with flowing perfect hair and a little spit curl, ice blue eyes. His outfit is nothing but garish extravagance that looks like a cross between Final Fantasy and a a Leafield comic (laughs) with all the belts and like the pouches and all the nonsense and a rapier on his hip and just a shit-eating grin from ear to ear. So then I'm going to turn back to Chad for a brief second before I describe what happens next. What is Chad's initial gut response to seeing this? Uh, I think Chad initially ducks down from the window. He is very <laughs> confused. But the fact that he recognized someone, he says, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Is this uh, what is happening? Like, I think he's nervous to show himself. So he's going to, like, just sit there and keep mm-hmm. continue watching because, A, he has not checked on anyone up in, in 15 years. Mm-hmm. B, whatever is happening right now is totally fucked up. So he's just like, I'm going to sit here. Maybe they won't notice me type of thing. And he's just going to try and like be quiet. So as you're, I'll say no one noticed you yet. And so as you tuck down, you're good. Because the reason they haven't noticed you is something else just happens to draw their attention. As from the corner booth window, it, rip, it like rips apart. It tears apart almost like a like a group of football players like running through a banner like during homecoming. It just tears apart. And you see scrambling into the diner a group of like half machine, half zombie something or other wearing letterman jackets and looking like people that you went to high school with that are now crawling over top of you. Their their teeth sharpened and some of them replaced with metal and then dread by the front door where you were just kind of messing around with that key. The same thing happens. It just rips free like it wasn't a real door ever. It was just paper. And we see uh, quite a few of these these Letterman zombies come stumbling in. And for the first time, we're going to dig into some combat. All right. So let's just do this. Let's do this by the book the first time around. Okay. So uh, initiative is is highest dex score, mm-hmm. highest to lowest. So uh, let's, let's, let's hear about dex scores. Uh, anyone have a three? three? Three. Okay. So we've got Tristan... I think I, I wrote three, but I think I just put it wrong because con is supposed to be three. So I, I have two. Okay. Uh, no one was at a four, right? I didn't think anybody put four decks. So, okay. No. Uh, and, and then who's a, is anybody not at a two then? Those of you, anyone below a two? Two. Okay. Everyone else two. two. Okay. So that's Leaf, Dread, and Dial. And you can go in terms of your, your spot in whatever order you want. I don't, I don't care which. Uh, as for my... What do I have? Where am I? I am also on two. And so when we get to that, we'll kind of alternate between uh, between those back and forth. Okay. So what that means is that, Chad, you actually get to, you're actually one of the first people to react to this. Doesn't mean you have to do anything. Uh, Tristan, you as well. But I will say this to Chad, the vibration yeah. in your pocket is is out of control like it's and like you have the you have in your hand your phone is right there there's nothing else that should be vibrating in your pocket but you're you're feeling to the point where your thigh is almost going numb from it yeah i think 
No, no. I think <clears throat> Chad will he will kind of look at what's happening and clearly notice like these zombie high schoolers that we knew when we were kids. You see the Letterman jacket, like it's so familiar to see it. You I think he's gonna try and yeah, he probably did. I think he's gonna be like very confused, but instinctually reach for his pocket. And he's gonna try and pull it out, but do it as like discreetly as he can, like try to peek at it from like the pocket, you know, looking at it slowly from his pocket. Okay, sure. If you're doing it discreetly and you're trying to be like, well, maybe you pull on the lighting of the pocket, and as you do, yeah. and it and it comes clear, like you see your D10 just lift up off your 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 lap of your your leg a bit and start to float right in front of your face and just spins and tumbles around and it's glowing. It's just this beautiful, bright, brilliant red light uh, that is just coating your face. It's banking off some of the stainless steel of the kitchen here and there and it's just there spinning and spinning and spinning. I think he's trying to pounce at it, trying to keep it down so the light so people can't see him. He's like trying to grab it as it floats up in the air. As you reach out and you grab it and your skin comes into contact with it, you do get it. It's not it's not moving too fast. You instantly transform. You can you, you whether you know this is happening or maybe you see a reflection of it and one of these uh, one of these stainless uh, steel surfaces and you we no longer see necessarily Chad the way that we just saw Chad on the phone in his hotel. His appearance shifts. What is what do we see once that happens? And it's instant. It's just a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Chad is wearing um, he's basically fully covered. You can't even necessarily tell who it is. He has like a lot of dark gray, gray clothing. He has a mask across his face. He has glasses across his eyes. He wears a cap on his head. Um, his clothing's very simple, but you notice he has kind of this dark gray short sleeve shirt and he has tattoos coming down from the shirt and the tattoos seem to glow in like neon colors of like purple, pink, orange. And you can see on his belt, he has uh, just a row of um, like spray cans with like graffiti that you would use. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, okay. So do you stay, do you stay kind of crouched out of sight still? I think, yeah, I think he's, okay. he shifts and he sees himself in the reflection. He starts looking like really confused on what's happening and he just sits there for, this okay. turn, I think, trying to Sounds figure great. out what's going on. We'll cut then. And I would say that the four of you are not aware of what's happening in the kitchen currently. Uh, and we're going to cut over to Tristan. Tristan, you're next up. You're on the three decks. So what does right. Tristan do? Well, Caleb just come bursting in through the window. And Tristan mm -hmm. just turned to him. This giant shooting. Caleb, my friend, we tried inviting you before. All of, If you wanted to come in, all you had to do was ask. Here, have a bite on me. And he'll lift up the gut buster tray. Toss it in his face, and while it's up in the air as a distraction, he'll do a spinning sidekick into his face. Fantastic. All right. It's this game, D6 Dice Pool. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a melee attack, unless you have some ability that I don't know about. You're rolling Martial your strength pool. It lets me use decks. Perfect. So you roll a number of D6s equal to your decks, then, since mm -hmm. you're martial arts talent, uh, which should be three. Yep. There is no, these, there's a zero defense on these guys, so you don't have to mm -hmm. worry about taking anything away. So Do you, you feel just, that that was relatively nonsensical or fun? I think the gut buster thing, uh, yeah. I, I think this is nonsensical and fun for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, I'll toss in my full die as well then. Okay. All right. So I've got a six and a four. So two successes. Okay. Four plus in this game is a success. Uh, and then there's sometimes if there's like a difficulty, like we remove successes, but in this case, there's no anything and there's nothing extra. So you have two successes. 
mm -hmm. uh, which is two damage. And so unless you have something to augment that, it's two damage, uh, which is actually enough to take out Caleb. So describe <laughs> how you take Caleb out. It's just that, you know, he tosses the pan up. And it's almost the comical, like the, the pan that the gut buster was on, like kind of wraps around his head and he falls backward and his head just twists in a funny way. And all the, you know, nacho cheese and chili and other nonsense, you just see oozing down the side in place of blood. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, that seems pretty entertaining. So you can add a positive symbol to your die there. Oh, uh, interesting, because right off the bat, let's play, let's play around the mechanics because uh, that seemed really positive and fun. Uh, we'll then shift to the the two, uh, and I'm gonna say uh, so. The, so any one of Leaf, Dread, or Deanna can go, and then we'll, the one of the one of these creatures is gonna go. So whichever one of you wants to go first, everyone's in the same general vicinity. Like you can move to get to melee and without a, without an issue. Okay, so. uh, Dread will Dread will see one of these guys coming through the door. Um, and he puts up his hand and he go and he puts up his other finger and he goes, Shh, you remember the peace of oblivion before you were ripped from it. And you truly fear that you will never return to the quiet. Return now. And he will attack with his fear. His charisma is four yeah. uh, plus his D four. So that yeah, no, is uh, yeah, no no difficulty or anything to worry about. So that's a total of four on the intensity effect. Does that surpass his willpower? Four total. Uh, these have a willpower of. These actually have a four willpower on them. So they he have... has to. He, if he doesn't want to succumb to the attack, he needs to make a wisdom check with a difficulty of two. Okay. Uh, he has two D6s. Uh, and so he's going to have to... So this is this is going to be... I think this is going to end up being a straight-up fail no matter what. Uh, but I did roll a two and a six, so I didn't even have enough to begin with. So he does actually fail. So since he failed his wisdom check, he succumbs to my attack and dies. Or returns to oblivion. You watch basically as he is this guy's come charging in. Everyone who's in the lobby. Tristan just just went and threw a bunch of of food covered, chili covered fries and cackling and laughter. And then it's a stark shift when Dread comes, as it almost seems the lights in here just start to dim. You all feel a coldness begin to take over you. As Dread, even though he's targeting this attack on this 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 individual running through, nonetheless there is this kind of chill that probably cascades down everyone's spine to a to a, to a little degree. Uh, and you watch as he leaps at you, but as he does so, you can see his face just kind of contort in this element of fear and sadness, and he falls to the ground and goes sliding across it, head bashing in uh, to the bar. Uh, the, the counter. And then Dread will take a few steps back and he turns to look at his friends and you see that now those black tears of shadows have fully become Harlequin masks upon his face. And he just lets out a half smile as he looks in your direction and then turns back to face the, the horde. 
Okay, so there are still a couple that are pouring in here. So I still have some more. So it's two down, though. Uh, so I'm going to go with one, and then, we're, and then we'll, we'll go to either Diala or Leaf. Uh, I'm going to roll to see randomly who I go for. Uh, it's going to be Diala. One of them's going to go after you, Diala. Uh, so you see stumbling at you probably about a 220-pound offensive lineman for high school. You know, just sort of stumbling over. You see the jacket itself is bulging. It's a little bit too small for him. But you also notice that where the right side of his face was, there's just this this rusted piece of metal. Uh, and you see etched into it, it's just this giant tooth. Uh, and that's what they're going to essentially leap out at you and try to stab you with this. Um, so I actually do roll dice in this game. So do you have any defense, Diala? Uh, yes, I believe we all get one defense for our okay. uh, our look. Okay. So then... Okay, so this guy has actual... Actually has advantage on hand-to-hand -hand attacks, uh, but can never have any guard. Uh, so basically it just gets an extra... Uh, but I do have to... All right, so I rolled double sixes. One of those gets removed uh, because of your difficulty. So one of my successes gets removed, but the other one gets through... And you see as this, this metal die that has that etching, the etching pops off of it and just sinks down into your shoulder. Uh, you're going to take one point of damage. If you have guard, it should come off your guard first before you worry you. about your health. Okay. So two guard, which comes off of uh, dex. Uh, so that is now a one. Okay. Uh, but... You haven't actually taken any health damage yet. So then it's going to be either Leaf or Diala. You're next up as one of these is on Diala. One has fallen to dread. One is slopped down in the in the middle of your booth covered in cheese fries. Uh, what would Leaf or Diala like to do? One of the two of you. So Leaf seeing Diala get attacked um, and maybe Chad for the first time notices uh, the right arm has returned uh, but is skeletal. And as they're holding the hand up, they open their palm to drop two oblo, which are the uh, sort of a, a metal a cylinder that is a little bit lumpy and goes, well, let's do this. And um, a sort of a shadowy blast will come from the two coins as they fall, as they stop in midair and then shoot towards the, the uh, jock attacking Delilah. That's amazing. Uh, okay, are we doing uh, what kind of what kind of roll is this for you? Uh, this would be a wisdom roll because I'm using uh, noun slash blast. You're using your uh, spell, and right? Yes, it's a spell. Okay, uh, Go for so it. that is a four and a five are successful, and then a two for not a success. Well, the oh, four and a five twelve on my d twelve, but okay, it's okay. <laughs> so you then that then that means this is most certainly successful. Uh, so if you're if you're doing the blast one, yes. And it's the number, I think it's the the dice, the, the number of successes should basically be the damage you do. Uh, yes. So how many successes did you have in total? A four and a five for two successes. Okay. Uh, that is all the health it has. It has no guard. So describe how this one uh, falls. So kind of still holding um, their skeletal hand out in an almost like whatever fashion with these two coins that have blasted into it. There's one that ends up just in the forehead and the other one in the chest as uh, the zombie is pushed and blasted away. Fantastic. 
another one of these zombies uh, creatures comes stumbling through. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to go to one of the either Leaf Dread or Tristan. Uh, it's going to go for Tristan uh, as Yay. as Dread as uh, as Caleb falls. This one just still clamors through uh, the window and just leaps at you. Uh, you 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 look at the you look at the patch like where the Letterman jacket is. You see a name. It's a familiar name. It's not Caleb, but it's a different name. Maybe somebody else you played with. Do you, do you know who this might be there, Tristan? Oh, yeah. This is, um, well, this is Ryan. Ryan. Oh, my God. I play basketball with Ryan. That's the thought in your head as this guy is just flying towards you. And you're just Why like, is Ryan trying to bite my face? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let me go ahead and roll. Uh, all right, I got two fours and a two. It's two successes. Um, I have one defense for what it's worth. All right, so one of those is canceled out, and so only one success goes through. And so as you're thinking, why why is Ryan trying to bite my face off? He literally bites your face. And uh, ah! <laughs> Why? <laughs> and you take one point of damage. If you have guard, take it from there first. I do. All right, perfect. And so now Tristan and Diala are both entangled. Uh, a couple of these are fallen. And we will then go to Diala. I think you're the last one to go this round. Uh, if there's something you would like to do. Yeah. So are there any more that are coming in? Because uh, mm-hmm. Leaf killed the one that was by me. Okay. So Leaf killed the one by you. So there's, yeah, there's another one that's coming in right from behind. Like you can see there's some coming in through the window. That's on Tristan. There's another one charging in towards Dread through the front, uh, front entrance as well. Uh, so you currently can see two. So basically, I have one more to act with is is where I'm at right now. I'll go over to the window. Okay. So you you run over towards where you move. So you get your movement. Take Mm -hmm. a couple steps. You're over by Tristan. Uh, You can see this this thing is draped over top of him, just gnawing at his his chin. My cheekbones. Uh, (laughs) Tickles. So as as Diala is moving, so she's had kind of that shiny reflective like kind of looks like a bracer around her left uh, forearm and you see her kind of turn her left palm up and you see that there's a pommel in the hand and so with her right hand she reaches grabs the pommel and yanks and so as that happens, you see this kind of unwind itself around. And so it's not a bracer, it's actually a whip sword. And so you see kind of all of it sort of unfurl. And she kind of holds it up and kind of slams the pommel back down on her left up-facing palm. And then you see kind of all of the pieces of that sword kind of come back together into one. And then by the time that happens, she's reached her target and she swipes out with the sword. Okay. Uh, so that should be a strength pool for you, unless you have something different. Yeah. So uh, okay. strength is three for her. All right. Three dice. That is a one, a one and a six. Uh, so the one six success. is successful. Uh, these don't yeah. have any guard. So it does do one point of damage. It's not enough to kill this one, uh, but... You do manage to do. You do manage to slash through Ryan just a bit, but maybe because he's so in, you know draped over Tristan, you, you're careful of maybe doing a follow through as you might actually hurt him. Uh, so that is down one point of health. 
Uh, then I have one more then to charge in, and I already said it was charging at Dread, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna follow through with that and say this uh, last one charging through the front door is going to is going to charge at Dread. Um, this one's fairly tall and slender, and you can see very long arms. And as they come towards you, Dread, you realize they are unnaturally long, as there's chunks of the arm in which metal extenders have been placed uh, where muscles and, and bones should be. Uh, as they swipe out at you. Uh, oh, and I get advantage. Uh, only one success. Uh, so I got one success. Do you have any guard? Or excuse me, do you have any defense, I should say? You're muted there, Aaron. I do not have any defense, so I take the damage. Okay, so you take guard. one point of damage if you have guard. Perfect. Now, we should say that guard is a is sort of an encounter resource. Think of it like temp HP. So it does replenish pretty quickly after encounters. All right, so that's the end of the first round. So let's reset. We've got one in the corner booth draped over Tristan, you know, biting at his chin as Diala's hacking away. We've got one by the front door, uh, the entrance to the diner that just ripped through and is attacking Dread. And then as we move back into the kitchen for a moment, artist, you hear the sounds of something ripping and where the walk-in freezer used to be, you see that there's a large tear down the middle and these two creatures in letterman jackets that look like corpses that have had parts of their faces replaced with metal come stumbling out and are kind of looking around for you. So there's two in the kitchen and there's two out in the front. And we're going to go back to both uh, Artist and Tristan as both of you have three decks. And you can go in whatever order you like. Um, so I think... Yeah, he's looking around. Obviously, they pop out. He's still confused with what is on his person. He doesn't see any weapons on him. And so he starts to kind of like look around. Everyone else seems to be pulling out something out of their ass. So he's like, there has to be something. And then he immediately grabs one of his spray cans. And you see almost like he's 3D printing. He sprays out in like this neon colors, uh, like a small short sword. And then it all of a sudden it appears and animates like it's 3D and he grabs it and he's just he's like instinctually just does this and then he'll just go and charge at the closest one. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, you go charging in with your weapon. Uh, no defense on these. So if this is melee, just a strength pool unless you have something different. Yeah, it's dex for the Neo, but... Okay, perfect. Would be three D6s. Ooh, just one. One success is still enough to do damage to one of these, but you aren't able to take them down. Um, and I would say at this point, though, the rest of you are aware now that there's stuff going on in the kitchen. You've heard you've heard something wrench free. You hear the sounds of <laughs> as they come pouring in through the once walk in freezer door. The same door artist that you actually stepped through when you got off the uh, the elevator, strangely enough. And the rest of you see that there is somebody in the kitchen fighting more of these. Yeah, and I think there's like a spray of like neon color after he hits it and like splashes out. So you see it splash against the window or something. Nice. Uh, science fiction in my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tristan, there's a little nibble on your chin. Uh, but otherwise, what would you like to do? <laughs> Ryan, I'm afraid you didn't read the menu tonight because the special tonight is to eat steel. And he'll draw his rapier and cut him across the face as he does. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, roll your your attack. I will. Ooh, that will be two sixes. So I'm gonna get a point of guard back. 
And Absolutely. I got a six on my full dice, which I put my... You gave me a pip earlier. I did. So for a fun fluke, I want to like cut him across the face. And I also have like martial arts, so I think it'd be fun. Like So with the one-liner, I somehow recoup my guard because quips heal me for whatever reason. And then as I cut him across the face, I fall backwards and I monkey flip him into the one that's on Deacon. Okay. Now you did how much how much damage did you do? Two. Okay, so you did one would have killed this one. So there's an overflow system in this game. Like if you do more damage to kill it, it can go on to the next, but you do have to reduce the damage. So mm-hmm. so your reduction advantage technically isn't gonna do any damage, but your fluke will still trigger. And so like you throw yeah. the other one in, they kind of s- slam around. And we'll say the one that you throw the body into falls we'll say they're prone and so whoever makes the attack on them next will get an advantage cool. uh okay so that is that is tristan that is ours that is level as three uh and then we will go to uh dex two so leaf dread or deanna can go first and then i will have uh the remaining zombies go there's one still out front and there's two in the kitchen i think dread would would lean down at the one that's still out front that's in front of him that just got hit with the dead zombie body. And he leans over and he says, Vaughn. And he just touches his side of his face gently. Vaughn, in life, you were never the hero. You were always afraid of being lost in the shadow. Stand now, Vaughn, and protect me. So instead of attacking him, I am trying to control him. Okay. And ordering him to protect me. So this is, you're using performance control, right? That's what you're doing? So you're uh, doing... Yep, yep. Okay. Perfor- the yeah. performance control. Gotcha. Um, I got a four, so uh, that's a seven on total. So actually, <laughs> I exceed the intensity effect by a lot so in attempting to control him i basically blow his mind literally out of his body so the rest of you i'm gonna say also that the rest of you almost feel this the pull like this residue of the pull that dread was trying to exert over top of this 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 old athlete from your high school days all of you like for a moment almost like turn look at dread take a take an like a like a a step towards him as if you're you're moving to protect him before you kind of shake your heads and you feel like just the tiniest bit of compulsion for like a half a second take over you and you look over and the shadows have kind of coalesced around dread and not only that but the literal explosion of this one creature's head out of nowhere as their brain just matter just it just cascades all throughout the room Vaughn, you were too weak. So What a pity. No more in the front, but there are two in the kitchen. Uh, I'm going to say the one that you did damage to, Artist, is just going to go ahead and it's going to go ahead and swing back at you. Um, Okay, do you have any defense score there, Artist? Nope. All right, so he's going to do one point. I get one success, so he's going to do one point of damage probably to your guard if you have it. Uh, Mm. As you go in, you're slashing away. It... You can see like there's a, almost like a, a mechanical claw as he tries to rake it across your chest. And he does nick you a little bit, but it doesn't do any lasting hurt. Um, then Leaf and Deanna, Deanna or Diala, excuse me. Um, the one that the one that Tristan was on Tristan is now dead. The other one out here is mine just exploded. How is Diala feeling right now, actually? Hey. 
I was just thinking about that. Like all of the things that we describe in RPGs, what it would be like to actually like physically do that and see that. And I don't think Diala is doing particularly well at the moment. Like I would say she's like trying to find something to like just back up against and just sort of take this in because like it's one thing to like listen to Deacon describe blowing someone's head apart and it's one thing to like physically be in a space where that just happened so I feel like she's just sort of backing up against a wall and is just sort of like looking around and is a bit speechless at the moment what, just so in terms of your like emotional scale like where would we think you're at here are you ticking up one or are you staying staying low yes yeah, so hers is vigilance anticipation and interest and so definitely she is wanting to kind of get a sense of her surroundings so she's trying to make sure nothing's behind her mm -hmm. and then kind of looking around so probably taking her from a zero to a one you pick your back up to the wall and you take a quick look of your surroundings and immediately your head turns towards the kitchen where you see there are two more of these that seem to be attacking someone and that someone looks somewhat familiar like there's something in your memory in your memory that's just kind of kind of at the edge of it you can't piece it together so we're playing it as these are these are like the characters or some variation of the characters that you played many years ago and so there's something in your head especially since your your emotion is hicked up and you're very vigilant that you think that that's an ally being attacked in that kitchen so you have that info what I, and so she just sort of kind of freaks out a bit. She's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. There's someone else is, 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 and uh, uh, I think he, I think he's finally, I think he's finally here. I think he's finally here. And you see, like, she's sort of talking to the other folks that she came in with, but you see her kind of look down a little bit so she kind of has a sword that she swung out with and she's kind of looking down in the sword a little bit and you sort of if you're close by you can sort of hear as she sort of looks down in the sword and you just hear this little voice you missed it you weren't paying attention you missed it <laughs> so as maybe for a moment the sword slash whip is, is is debating with you we're gonna see as the second of the two that scrambled out of the tear uh they continue to scramble and they push through these double doors uh and i'm gonna say it's probably diala who is their closest to as they push through the door because that's what the die i rolled for random attacks uh, and so they're gonna go after you diala uh and i rolled one success man i'm rolling terrible uh one success uh and you have a defensive one Yes, it is. Right? And so that'll cancel that out. And it does no damage as your vigilance comes into play. Despite the antagon, you know, the antagonization by your weapon, you're able to quickly get it up and parry the attack. Uh, then we still have, uh, I think we still have Leaf to go. Yeah. Leaf will push in between Delilah as they haven't really seen them as uh, Diala yet and, and get in front of the zombie and go... No, and I missed last time, so this time. She'll hold up one coin that'll stay in the air and then a second coin and then let them go and blast towards the uh, the eyes of the zombie that's in front of them. Okay, I, will, I love it. Uh, I got one success. 
one success. Uh, this one doesn't have any garb, so it, but it does take damage. It's not dead yet. The one that's so both both of these creatures that are left, these fallen uh, that are left, have have taken damage, but neither of them have uh, have fully collapsed. So you can see like your coins rip through portions of the body, but not necessarily completely debilitate it. So part of its arm kind of seems to sort of act a little erratically, like like you might have hit a not necessarily a nerve, but maybe you hit like some sort of circuitry or pathway that causes it to malfunction, but the body is still up and functioning. Uh, and we go to the top of the round, I believe. Uh, and we've got artists. You've got one on you in the kitchen. Uh, and then Tristan, you as, you as well can go on this turn as well. So artists, you want to try to finish this one off? Uh, yeah, I think he'll just continue. He's more focused on his like safety than he is really what else is happening. So he will okay. take another swing. Uh, one success. That's all you need. They have no defense, uh, and they have no guard. They you'd already damaged them once before. So describe how you take this one, take this one out. Yeah. So I think he does another long swipe across the body, and you see as he does, instead of blood, you see the neon color spray across, and then just like some cool symbol hits the wall. Like instead of it blood, it just like splats a symbol, and then you Beautiful. see the creatures start to slowly fall. He turns around, really confused. Maybe the 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 symbol is like the broken down engineer depiction of like a D10 that just sort of pops up there, like reminding you of the D10 for a moment. Uh, and then Tristan, there's one that seems to be attacking Diala. Leaf has has jumped to uh, to her defense, but it's still up, and this seems to be the only one still functioning. What would you like to do? Um, I say Tristan. Yeah, I'll, I'll be dumb. Okay, yeah. No. All right. <laughs> All right. I would say it's time to cool down, but I think you're running a little hot, so let's just match tempers here. And with his offhand, Tristan is, well, in the book, it would be called a trickster mage. I like to say he's a paladin of Anansi, <laughs> and all of his magic stems from doing magic wrong. So at one point, they taught him burning hands. But he didn't really understand. So he puts his, you know, he's got the, the, the rapier in one hand, puts his hands out like this, pulls it back, and then one hand just lights on fire, and he does a flaming punch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> roll your, go ahead and roll your attack. It's charisma, I think, for It Tristan, is charisma. For, for, but, yeah, for, for, for Tristan, yeah. charisma and dex are the same, so it ends up being right. a wash. Perfect. Just I like do most, have a, a yeah. negative mark on my dice now since I got a positive effect last time. Fantastic. And it actually pops. So the good news is I got three successes. Okay. The bad news is the cross triggered, which means something bad happened. So I was doing a flaming punch attack and there was like a super greasy gut buster nearby. Maybe mm -hmm. I accidentally sent some something on fire. I think that sounds ah! I think that sounds great. As the gut buster is known to be I mean, who knows what goes in it? Pretty much anything. Motor oil could be in that for all we freaking know. And as you as you reach back to swing, like your flaming fist catches fire on the bits of, of oh, gut bust that are still over Caleb. And then you see, because this is a very greasy spoon, this diner, it just the the, the fire just spreads and cascades all around, uh, meaning all of you are going to be in slight danger as now there is this fire that's just roaring <laughs> around. But Tristan, you're nonetheless capable of taking this one out if you want to describe how you finish this one. 
I think it's just all that extra. It's just this, this flaming punch that just goes through and just emulates the head, basically. It's all the yeah. extra grease from the gut buster really ignites. <laughs> well, I think I may have overdone it there. Okay, so what I'm gonna I'm gonna ask then, as all of the the immediate creatures are dead, they're down. You've defeated them, but now there's this roaring fire that's beginning to cascade. So can I just get one thought from everyone? And how are you reacting? What are you doing to try to deal with it? Because if you recall, not only is this a greasy place, but the walls were made of paper. Uh, so how is how is everyone reacting to what is now this cascading? cascading fire wall that is moving throughout the throughout the area is is the 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 main door that that dread is standing in front of still ripped open it is indeed yeah yeah so he would he would lean down pick up one of the zombies um and use it as as a fire shield to just push through the rip all the while muttering muttering to himself sean has always been such an idiot <laughs> yeah you, you tumble out yeah go ahead leave oh no i was just gonna say similarly leave is like god damn it sean <laughs> as uh they are behind or they're in front of delilah but they're also against a wall and just like a sheath uh unsheaths one of the sites to rip up the paper behind them so they can push out behind and so you slash this perfect vertical slash, uh, whereas everything else was just like jagged tears from these creatures. Yours is just this smooth slice and you can slip out and you feel like a touch of rain fall on you, like a very singular drop just comes down, strangely enough. And same with you, Dread, as you stumble out into the front and you realize both of you that you're in the parking lot from mom's kitchen. Uh, but I won't I don't want to describe too much more than that until we get Tristan and Diala and artist. What do the three of you do as we now see an inferno is beginning to cascade in like a tinderbox? I mean, obviously, I jump out the same window that Caleb jumped in and I make sure not to look back because cool guys don't look at explosions. OK, <laughs> uh, so you dive through. Uh, let's see. OK, yeah, you dive through and I'm going to say. A little bit of your hair singes and you see as you stand outside looking around you see dread stepping up from where he had dragged the the one uh, the one creature out your hair is just on fire dread you see it you see his like this little trail of hair just kind of burning all the way up and tristan doesn't seem to notice um smolder. that's uh that's fitting <laughs> you and did then, good work in there sean thank and you then Artist and Diala, what do you two want to do? Uh, I think Artist is going to take the weasel way out and go out the back since there was a free opening. And yeah, just and try so to just, maybe, yeah, just sneak out a little bit and maybe no one really noticed him. You step out and you are behind the you, behind Mom's kitchen. I'm sure you all are, in, in, you know, in, intimately familiar with this place. Nothing much has changed in 15 years, and you see that they have somehow managed to keep the same nasty looking. Uh, dumpster back here that actually has some of your tagging still on it is still up like it's 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 faded it, you know this it's still but it's still there you see still see some of yours and adam's imagery uh either on the back of the restaurant or on the, the dumpster itself diala so delilah's backstory is that she was burned in a house fire before her teenage years so you see diala just drop and she's kind of looking in the sword and 
the voice coming out of the sword, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. It's going to happen again. You don't know what to do. And so she's just sort of like, you see her kind of thousand mile stare, just kind of into the sword. And then she just stays low, kind of army crawl on her stomach. She sees the way that leaf went out Mm -hmm. because she had kind of cut an opening. And so she just on her stomach, it just sort of army crawls out. But you can see it's like taking a lot of focus for her to make this action. So we see Diala labored, uh, struggling, but you, you do crawl out just as the fire is closing in on this, this slit that leaf has cut from both angles. All of you are outside. When you look back at the restaurant, you can see that the whole thing is now caught on fire and like a snap of a finger, you see it just poofs and then it starts to flicker down these little tiny little bits of paper, like, like literal paper on fire floating in the wind and it collapses. It's as large as you would expect it to be like in terms of the diner size, but it's just this scorched pile of tiny tears of paper all of you at this point can see each other for the most part, unless you're hiding behind the dumpster. The only other thing you see in the area is a single vehicle. Some of you saw this vehicle uh, turn into the parking lot. Uh, I would say, or at least when you when you originally arrived at the restaurant, uh, it is Billy's work van. Uh, it says uh, it says Pilgrims Elevator Solutions. It is the only vehicle parked here. When you look beyond the elevator, or excuse me, when you look beyond the um, the parking lot, you can see that everything past that just sort of looks like this empty expanse, almost like a like you've glitched behind a zone wall in a 1990s MMO or a game, and it's just like this pattern, generic, as far as you can see until you can't see anything anymore. This is the only area that has any kind of definition or color. What are you all doing? Uh, Leaf will hold out both arms to help Delilah out. I go, "Mm, come on, and try to pull you up if you don't grab a hand. And she's like, you know, just like, like super heavy breathing. And she's going to like sit up, grab your hands. And then I, I, the hell was that? What the hell is any of this? Our cars are gone. How are we getting out of here? It doesn't I, this matter. Is a... Billy either dosed us with something and none of this is real or it is real and we have to deal with it. It doesn't matter which yeah. it is. We need to deal with this situation. Good point. This... There is a van right there. The... Wait, there's four. There, There's... Wait... For there okay, was they they don't see me they don't see me dramatic right, entrance uh, in five he four, doesn't know the paper is burning behind him two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like talking to himself all right they don't know i'm here yet think about how you want to enter what do you want to do and you guys can just see him like obviously <laughs> talking to himself mm-hmm. do, you, do you see the guy over there that's like just kind of shaking and standing I really thought, like, I, I did the whole countdown thing. I really thought he was going to come in. I mean, you were <laughs> loudly counting for him. Right? Right? I, I heard it, yeah. We're over here. 
Chad, is Mysterious that you? person that we don't know. He's kind of startled. Oh, shit. Uh, awkwardly kind of turns around. Hey, guys. Whoa, check this out, right? Oh, you've got a neon sword. That's so cool. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I can do more than that. Oh, you can. God, Sean, take it down a notch. In the moment, let's figure this shit out and not go all fanboy over our shared delusion, all right? Hotwire the van. Let us get out of here. Way too much to drink. Okay, I'll hotwire the van. I'm on this. Sean, you 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 step over towards the, the van. You go to open the driver's side door. You reach out. You go to grab the handle, and you realize the handle, damn it, it's painted on. Just like the windows in the diner, just like the door handle in the diner. It's just, you, it's just this flat, smooth, and hard surface, actually. Almost like concrete. It feels very, it's just readers. You just see your hand smashes against it, but you can't seem to open it. Uh there is a, a tiny little keyhole that you would normally see in a van. It's a very older, it's an older van. You can tell it's probably about okay. a 10, 12 year old model, but perfect. So yeah. you're saying there's a lock. I've got good there. news and I've got bad news. Yeah. This thing has a painted door with a lock, but I know how to deal with locks. We keys. We, got a key. we have a key. We, we got a key. Would you like to have a go first? We'll pretend we don't have No, it. no, it's okay. <laughs> Thread just hands over the key. Just just do it. Tristan, well, you grab the key. Them. It's a big, so just to refresh everyone's memory, it's a very big key. It's the size uh, of like a forearm almost, uh, but it's angular, it's geometric. You can see that it, it looks like some sort of abstract piece of art almost, uh, but it does it does bear the you know a, a striking resemblance to a key. You can see like little teeth and stuff like a skeleton key has been shifted and altered in some way. So when you hold this next to the the entrance to or like the the keyhole to this um to this 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 van this driver's side van this isn't going in however those of you who are like kind of lingering around you notice that the back of the van or not the back of the van the side of the van that has the lettering for uh pilgrim's elevator solutions it has a man in like one of those, like a pilgrim hat. And in one hand, he's holding a wrench and the other hand, he's holding a gear. When you look at the gear, you realize in the middle of the gear, there is that same strange looking geometric shape that just so happens to fit the key, uh, the teeth of the key. Don't it's not working. Let him keep going. There's also a dumpster here as well, too. That's the only other thing that you see in the area besides yourselves. You keep keep doing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Um, so kind of her vigilance is kind of continuing to like sh that she cannot leave that dumpster unsearched. Uh, uh, okay, Diala, you, you push the dumpster open. It's not locked. You push it open, and it kind of defies physics to some degree, as it the distance it goes down doesn't seem to match the size of the dumpster. It seems to dip even further below the surface. But you can see a, a large pile of uh, of various recycled bits of these fallen creatures that you have that you just fought in the diner. You see chunks of flesh. You see chunks of uh, chunks of metal and rust. You see different looks like tattered, threadbare Letterman's jackets. And as you're watching, as you open this up, you just hear a tick 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 
over and over again. And you watch as they're all just slowly combining and recreating. Like it's like they're stitching themselves back together. Uh, and when you look down, it's a very, very, you think a very deep hole. And there's quite a few in here. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think you guys are in the van yet, but, the, you might want to look at this. You might want to look at this. Leaf will come over to take a look. Leaf, you look down and it definitely gives you the impression that this dumpster is like recycling chunks, different parts and pieces and reforming them in some way. None look to be immediately like they're about to reform, but give it 20 minutes, an hour, like you think they would probably reform into more. It's like resetting somehow. That's not good. No, no, that's 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 not good at all. We we need to be gone before they they finish. They're yeah by themselves. Yeah. All right. Mm. Do you want to go tell Sean where the actual hole is? Meanwhile, Sean has set the key down. And he's preparing to cast the knock spell. <laughs> Which Sean the knock spell? <laughs> oh. What? Puts it on his fist? Sean, look at the door. The hole is there on the door. I am at the door. It's right Dude, here, but it's too small. Sean, Sean, you have to shut your mouth now. The door, the side door. Look at the side. Here, I'll pick Why the key up. Why didn't you say so, Deacon? Uh, it's so simple. Just speak your mind. I, 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 <laughs> I, I just, just do it, Sean. Just. For it's the love done. of God, do it. Deacon, you're so smart. Thank you. So if hey, look, you, it worked. You put the key in, it does work. And not only as you as you as you put the key in, it kind of takes on a life of its own. Like you kind of let it go, and you can see that that gear paint, like, like the, the decaling of the of the of the gear begins to spin one way and then the other. And then you start seeing there's these infinite number of these other smaller and smaller gears begin to continue spinning and spinning in different ways. You hear the sounds of metal shifting and moving like within or below. And then you hear a ding and the door slides open because it's a sliding side door of a van. And you see inside is what appears to be construction elevator like a worker's elevator you can see everything's covered in these these furniture blankets uh there is this smell of like oil and lubricants metal shavings are scattered here and there uh it also much like the much like the dungeon excuse me much like the dumpster is far bigger inside than the van actually is it's just a fairly large and very tall elevator but you would step in and you can almost see the ceiling go up higher than the roof of the van. This Billy's got an American TARDIS. It's great. <laughs> I, what's a TARDIS? It, what? It doesn't matter. Get in. <laughs> it's it's bigger on the inside than the outside. I, I don't understand. Ignores the rules of space and time. It's the best thing ever. The dumpster, the dumpster is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. The 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 miniature worker thingies, they're putting themselves back together again. Really? Okay, give me one second. I'm gonna run over, open up the dumpster, flaming fist the trash pile, and then come back. <laughs> okay. Uh you run over 
you open up the dumpster, you go to flaming fist the dumpster. As you go to flame, as you rip it open, you can see that you were told that there were, everything in here was ripped apart and restitched together. But as you fly, flip the, the 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 lid open, right in your face, there is this giant faced offensive lineman. You can see its mouth is is like the size of a moon. You can see these get these big old bushy eyebrows and where his mouth should be. All you really see is spikes and it just lunges out at you uh, right as you open the door. Uh, so I'm going to give it a little, little bit of a, okay. Um, your guard would have reset. Okay. So if you had guard in the combat and if you I lost guard, I refreshed it with my quip anyways. Okay, perfect. Uh, so I actually roll two successes. Uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any defense? Defense of remember. one. Okay. So you take one point of damage as it bites you oh, right in your fist. fighting me. You know <laughs> Uh, and then you can go ahead and cast your uh, your flaming fist if you like. Ah. <laughs> no. All right. You want a mouthful? I'll give you a mouthful of flames, jerk. That's going to be <laughs> three. And I did uh, get a six, so he's on fire. He is. Wow. Not only is he on fire, but he falls backwards and he falls down and starts catching the rest of it on fire. But you Eat also that cretins. Ah! <laughs> you also hear as it's burning, you hear that same kind of ticking sound, like tick, 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 over and over. That just is 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 still noticeable. And you also notice despite the fire, as it eventually does die down, everything again starts to restitch and rejoin and restitch and rejoin. Like you've delayed the reset, but it hasn't stopped the reset. I like to assume that that bite was on the other cheekbone. <laughs> you just have two bites on your face. So now it's symmetrical. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Ah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't like that when I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. I just look delicious. Sean here, and uh, Amory will just like one side of your face, other side of your face, grab it with both hands, and just like you feel almost like a cool mist coming out as uh, they heal you for one health. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> if you open your eyes, you notice the mist might have like bodies and faces. That's I will close my eyes next time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's I, I thought your God went more the other way, but I'm glad that you can reverse it. That's that's cool. Uh, yeah, well, somebody else took the damage. Oh, nice. You're so smart. Beacon's uh, just standing in the elevator waiting. Yeah. Like, sure. For the love yeah. of God, people. Inside the elevator, you do see that there is a singular button pointing down. That is the only button in here. Everything else is covered in these these furniture blankets. Well, I think I think Deacon's gonna implode. We might wanna you know. I mean it's kind of funny if we don't though. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean I but at the same time, I really want to go in there. Yeah, we should just let him and blow his like, You don't want to get Deacon all the way to the red. You just <laughs> kind of hover just before it. Yeah, Deacon's just looking at everybody. He's like, I'm pushing it in three seconds, whether you're in the elevator or not. I don't know any of you people anymore, and I could not give a single shit. No, no, no. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming. You will not put. You will not push that button. We are coming. 
watch I'm curious me. curious <laughs> to see if it even yeah. works without Look, I know this. you'd leave me, but you wouldn't leave Delilah or Amory, maybe Chad. Not if they oh. get in the elevator in three seconds. We're already in the elevator. As he, he <laughs> says it somehow already behind you. <laughs> I hate you, Sean. God, I, I hate know. <laughs> but the thing is, you can only hate things that you care about. I love you too. I hate you even more now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it uh, fills me with so much joy. You guys uh, have a great relationship. I'm going to get in the elevator now. Okay. Is anybody not getting inside? Um, right. I think Chad will... Can he wants to, as he's like walking, does this character sheet like still on his person or did it disappear? Oh, no. None of you have your character sheets anymore. At okay. some point during the transformation, it's all, I mean, you have everything that was on your character sheet, like all right. the access to that, but you don't actually have your sheet anymore. Yeah. So I think he has, he's like making his way to the elevator. He's remembering reading his sheet and he's like, what the fuck is fair gold? Starts looking around. What is this shit? And he just continues walking. Like he's trying to look for something, yeah. but he doesn't know what it is. So, uh, okay. So then if you're looking for fair gold before we get in and we could say this was happening in yeah. the previous few seconds, it doesn't have to necessarily be right this moment. Um, there may be, be a fair gold tooth in my cheek. So the body that dread, uh, pulled out is still on the ground out in the parking lot, the fallen body. And as you're kind of looking around you, your eyes for some reason are drawn to it. And you can see that there is something kind of about the body. There's something hovering or it's, it's just something about just staring at it. So, so a couple questions for you then. So what is it that we see? Like, I'm going to let you as, as the Neo kind of define what fair gold actually looks like in our, our mm -hmm. world. And then secondly, like, as you're looking, looking at it, like you feel, think about the time in which your persona where Chad felt the most like the most desired thing you ever wanted in your life. Like you just, you felt that intense desire. That's literally the feeling that you have right now. So those are the two questions. Like, what does it look like? And what's the, what does the feeling remind you of that feeling of desire? Um, I think his feeling is, it's like a mix between his current life of, you know, his new family and everything, but there's a hard pull of his brother and there's a hard pull of the memories of like when he was healthy and all the things they used to do. And I think it's just this like two sides of the same coin of happiness. It's just different times in his life. Is and I like think family? it is. It's all about yeah, family though. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I would say family. And then I think it is just a coin. And he, as he goes to grab it, you can see as he bends over like the camera uh, pans to his belt of spray cans. And you can see one of the spray cans has like a coin insert at the bottom. Beautiful. Roll an intelligence pool. See how much you managed to actually get. All so roll right. roll an intelligence check. Yeah, that's the same as my decks. Uh just one. Okay, so you get one one fair gold. Okay. So you do have it and you and it comes in and you and it and it almost is like like they get that that moment of acquiring the thing that you wanted most in your life, like the news of, of the intending, you know, your the pregnancy of your wife or uh, a, a wonderful memory with Adam 
when you were younger, whatever it might be that like that hit of emotion as the coin goes into your, the, the little coin slot of yours, that's what you feel as it begins to course through your veins. Yeah. And I think while they're arguing and doing all this stuff with the dumpster, uh, he'll pull out the coin and put it instinctually just with no real thought into this spray can and he'll start, um, you'll see it kind of infuse and the colors get even brighter and more intense. And he starts making basically like a neon 50 caliber rifle. And you see as he draws it on the parking lot floor, all of a sudden it appears and he just Beautiful. pulls it out and he's like, starts walking casually to the, uh, the elevator. And he's like, fuck yeah. So I find fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone steps on the elevator. Finally, uh, dread, you had your finger on the button. I assume at this point you, you press the button, if that's fair as, as you do, uh, the button lights up, the doors close like any other elevator that you ever have been on in your life. Uh, the ride is, is very bumpy. Uh, it doesn't have that, you know, necessarily the, the scary sounds that you had just heard maybe 15 minutes ago, Chad. Uh, but it definitely, uh, it definitely is a very bumpy ride and it's a long ride. There's, it's actually uncomfortably long and you, to the point where like you're, you're sort of staring at each other. And, and I would say whoever is the most perceptive, probably Diala, I would say being the vigilance knight, the elevator is getting smaller. You think? Cause when you stepped on, it was quite big, but now you all are really close to one another. Like, like everyone's just been sort of gradually shifting and moving like, or if you were leaning against the wall, the wall's been sort of slowly coming in. And so now you all are, are, are just inches away from each other. It's not moving in the sense that it looks like you're being squished, but it's just some strange like tapering of the elevator getting closer and closer together. And you also start to hear something as well. You hear the sounds of music start piping through <laughs> the girlfriend. A, <laughs> <laughs> you hear it first as like this distant kind of manufactured elevator, like this music that's like sort of jazz like repurposed of like a of a well-known song starts to pick up pace though because at first it's just like do 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 and then it gets faster you hear like a dubstep kind of drop into it every now and then you're like extra beats and you start realizing that what once was just this sort of smooth easy listening jazz has kind of picked up and it's your heartbeats kind of going to some degree. It almost sounds like it's getting louder and faster and faster. And then eventually like, it's just this sort of techno beat that just is going through the entire elevator at this point, And you're all right next to each other. This is amazing. <laughs> I think this is worse when they did a nature camp out near my wood cabin. You can really tell they put an extra layer Children. onions on the gut buster, right? Oh God. <laughs> And then there's a ding as the doors of the elevator open up and you look out in front and when they open up, you hear the sounds of battle. You feel this rush of cool air. 
You smell gunpowder. You are apparently on the deck of some kind of sailing vessel, and around you, you can see that there is a skirmish just utterly raging on. You can see there's a second vessel that looks more like a retro rocket ship from, like, 60s sci-fi with one of the sides peeled off like a convertible that is up against this old-fashioned sailing ship. You can see these massive rusted grappling hooks are ripped over the gunwale of the sailing ship as if it's just anchoring itself to it. The starboard side is being ripped from it. You can also see that there are folks that are running across these rusted chains where the grappling hooks are connected. They're carrying these swords that are stained with blood and these big old heavy mallets that almost look like croquet mallets, but they have this cruel and almost apocalyptic styling to them. You also notice that they're dressed in this pinstripe like a uh, black pirate attire they have like do you know like like bandanas and stuff wrapped around their heads they have what looks like eye patches but all if it's pinstriped in some way you see that they're running and they're meeting in combat in these various melees and these different groups scattered about the deck these powdered haired minutemen and like merchants that are firing muskets and have foils almost like something out of uh, out of three musketeers it's at this point all of you Sort of remember something about Billy as you look around and you realize that as you step off the elevator, behind you is not the elevator, but it's instead just looks like the stairs going down into the holds of this sailing vessel. You remember that Billy always did this whenever he started a new campaign. Billy didn't really like the whole tavern starting point. He found it kind of sort of boring and he skewed it. And he very much preferred in media res and big set pieces. And he, you remember very clearly one afternoon him going on and on about in media res, even though all of you were in the literature course with him about two hours earlier where you first heard about it, but he was suddenly an expert <laughs> in it. And so it dawns on you for a second that this looks very much like the start of your campaign back in the 90s. You just escaped from prison cells. That's that's how you all met. You were in prison cells in a ship that the cells sort of wrenched free. During the battle, you broke out and you came out on deck and there was these two groups that were fighting each other and you look out and you see them pouring and fighting. You see as running across, uh, at this point running across, there are, uh, there are kind of, there's like two people that are sort of shouting and, and giving orders to this, this group of pinstriped pirates that are, that are chasing across the deck. One of them looks not human. Uh, in fact, looks very much like a, like a giant ogre, uh, with, uh, with like a, almost, is that a, is that like a mullet? He has like this furry, like black mullet. He's got a big mouth and. He's got what looks like a wrestling gear on. It almost looks like something out of like old school, old school wrestling. Damn if that doesn't look like Andre the Giant. And then right <laughs> next to him, you see another man running as well. You can see he's got the sword in his left hand and then he flops it over to his right and then he flops it back to his left. And he's also got this like sort of, and he has this vague, sort of generic look of a man who is Italian with his mustache coming down in a way that almost feels a little wrong. And you look over and sort of commanding the Minutemen, uh, there is a fairly tall looking man. Uh, you would probably peg him maybe in his 70s. He's got a very big powdered nose. Uh, it's very hooked. And he's got the biggest tricorn hat you have ever seen. 
Uh, all of you go ahead and roll, uh, let's say intelligence tests and let's see who remembers some other details. As you hear the sounds of an explosion happen, you hear and you hear commands and shouts going left and right as, uh, as every, as there's just, there's just combat everywhere. All right. Uh, I got one success from Tristan, Leaf, Diala, uh, three from Artist, I think. How about Dread? Mm -hmm. Zero. Okay. Zero. He's just, he's just too disgusted with the whole situation. <laughs> okay. I would say Dread, you understand vaguely the, like, it's obviously you remember, you don't remember the details of it. Some of you remember details. Everyone who got a success, you remember the name of, the big tall man with a gigantic, like comically gigantic hat is Baron Munch. Uh, and he is the one that's shouting orders to everybody in this very flamboyant accent that shifts and moves between English and German and Russian. And it just, you're never quite sure where it lands. And then you see running across uh, on that, the sort of the rust, uh, that those, those rusted giant grappling hook chains the curly-haired, vaguely Italian man uh, with a bit of a drinking problem. He is the cred pirate Inigo. Uh, and those seem to be the, the sort of the leaders of each one of these factions. So all of you who got one would know that. Uh, Chad, you remember more because Billy always liked, you are one of the people who actually engaged with the world. like, And you encouraged him to add in references and sci-fi and genre blending and stuff. You know that this is currently a battle between the true currency conglomerate, uh, which is the powdered hair folk, and the rocket cartel, uh, which is the other side. Um, and as you're looking around, you, I mean, you, you remember that neither of these factions are particularly good. That was not really how Billy played things. He didn't really do that. He, he just sort of gave you gray and let you all figure out what was right and wrong. Uh, both of them are bad. Like the the rocket cartel, the murderers and thieves and pirates, the the conglomerate, they you know they use economics and trade as weapons, etc. Here and there, but as you're looking around, you notice that the ships are not in good condition. You can see that the mast has wrenched free, uh, as like it started to split and fall. The sails are ripping, and you can see that the the convertible rocket ship uh, has a, about a dozen cannonball holes in the side. You smell smoke, and there's fire everywhere. And it's chaos. What would y'all like to do? Do they I, notice us? Right now, it's a massive battle between like 40 on each side. Um, and you know what? Because you're the Vigilance Knight, I will I will also point one more thing out to you, D Diala. Is you are you are at, at one, I think, on your on your track. Yeah. Yep. You notice you notice there's one individual that kind of catches your attention. He is a, there's a man kind of crouched down sort of in the shadows. Uh, you can see he's got something wrapped in what looks like to be some kind of le leather satchel that he has tucked away. He's wearing a fedora. Uh, you can see he's got a little whip on his side and he's just kind of hiding behind what looks like some kind of, of barrel. And Diala, you almost kind of roll your eyes as you it's it's easy to remember who this is because the whole reason you all are together again is because your dear friend Steven died. And whenever Steven would play, and he wouldn't play very often, he played a freaking character by the name of Pennsylvania Polk. 
who <laughs> who was the most charismatic there was. Uh, he was the most intelligent and scholarly. Uh, and he was extremely good in fisticuffs because he wasn't there for session zero. And so he didn't roll his stats in front of you. He rolled them at home and he, he swears he rolled that many 18s in a row. <laughs> and you see him hiding out as if he's trying to not be part of this fight. And that is what all of you see. And I will turn it over to you. Uh. No one immediately charges at you. It's like there's a battle going on, but that's not to say it won't happen. So how do you all want to handle this? Uh, I mean, this I was going to say, do we remember what we did? Not, uh, I would say, okay. uh, I mean, I would say that's up to you guys. Like, really? Like, what did you guys, like, how did you get, I'll turn it to you. What did you guys do to get out of this? Uh, we are on some strong drugs. Let's yes. hijack one of these vehicles. <laughs> yes. Look at a camera that's not there. I bet you're wondering how I got here. Oh, no. <laughs> if, if this is anything like the campaign before... Didn't we take the, the rocket ship while everyone was over here and then sink the other ship as we were leaving? Yeah, I mean, sci-fi with fantasy, that, that's on it track. It sounds right, because Amory just hated that we I weren't so staying on the ship. just kept complaining. Yeah. It's so ship. cool. The ship has cannons. <laughs> I have a giant rifle. This is so immersive. I All am right. going to get in a sword fight with the cred pirate. I well, draw my rapier and I charge him. Okay, so you're gonna go. go. You're gonna go for the. It's the cred pirate. Yeah, the, the cred, cred pirate. pirate. I want to make okay. sure that we're doing like the sword fight where we're balancing on the chain between the ships. Okay, so you charge in. So so Tristan charges forth towards the the cred pirate in a go. Uh, okay, what are the rest of you doing? Oh, let's make sure he doesn't die. And Amory will, will follow along, probably get ready to, to blast some people out of the way so they can steal the spaceship. Okay. Uh, rest of you, artist, Diala, Dread. Dread's just making his way across the chain over to the rocket ship, doing everything in his power to ignore everything else going on around him. <laughs> Under his breath, he's just going, shit, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill Billy. I mean, mm -hmm. I've killed a lot of people for a lot less. <laughs> I'm going to kill Billy. So Dread and Tristan and Leaf are, are running towards those chains to try to run across and get to the other side. Tristan specifically to get into a duel. Diala and Artist, what are you two doing? Um, I think Chad remembers in his mind the description of the Baron. And he's like, God, I shot that guy when we heard about him. And now I'm seeing him in person. And he just slowly starts to look in his rifle, zero in on that giant nose. And I think he's going to take a shot just for the funds of it. Okay. And then Diala, what are you doing? We'll, we'll resolve all the roles here in a second. Diala, uh, what are you doing? Uh, so I, I'm not sure if this would work like non-verbally or not. Um, so once I have a little bit of like, I've gone a little bit up my um, emotional scale I can vent mm -hmm. mm. and so that's then I can like something that there's different abilities that kind of go with the venting and yeah. so the one that I had picked at character creation is personal knowledge so you gain knowledge of who or what a target feels your emotion um, so my emotion would be vigilance anticipation or interest okay so like who does the person the target feel that most strongly towards okay 
So, so I am looking at Pennsylvania Polk, trying to okay. figure out like who is he most interested in nice. in all of the goings on of what's happening. Nice. He seems to be very, very interested in uh, Baron Munch and the because because you're on board the Baron ship, uh, and he seems to be very interested in Baron Munch and the Minutemen that's uh, that are kind of surrounding. So uh, like you, I would say you probably would get the sense that he's trying to look for a way off the ship. That sounds that that that's sounds like something Pennsylvania Polk would do. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's resolve some of this stuff. Some of the stuff is just going to be a narrative resolution. Some of it's actually going to take some roles. Tristan, Leaf, and Dread, mm-hmm. uh, you go running over towards those uh, those very large uh, grappling hooks as there are these uh, these pinstripe pirates that are uh, that are coming across the the rust the, the the rusted chains and you're trying to get on there at the same time I'm gonna require some rolls in a second mm-hmm. uh, you also notice that one one of the chains the the, the group of pirates is being led by the red pirate and then the other one is being led by a very large ogre uh, and uh, you can see the chain sags with every step. Uh, and these are very thick chains. But as you, as the three of you get to the starboard side and you can see that there's combat that's happening, you realize for a second, you don't feel any water splashing on your faces. And you look over and you realize you don't see any Ever water shit? below. You yes. see just cloud as apparently you are in some sort of sky ships. Hey. I would like... The three of you uh, to both describe how and uh, make a, a role, perhaps. Uh, how are you trying to get across these chains or to the other ship? Like, describe what you're doing, then we'll do a roll check for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, artist, you can go ahead and just roll your attack. This guy, however, does have uh, Baron Munch has two defense. Whoa, Ooh. this guy's a boss. It's that nose. He is. Yikes. He very much is. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally in the vault. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, Diala, you, you you already got your info, so you can kind of decide how you want to handle that. Okay. How did the how did the shot go? Three. And I got a 10 on the D10, but I don't think it does anything if I don't have special. I don't have anything special. Okay. So you got the... So two of your successes... Excuse me. He's got two defense, so two of your successes would go mm-hmm. away, but you still get one that goes through, which means you're... So you are able to damage him. Uh, he will remove a point of guard. And I'm going to say what happens is you fire. You're trying to take that nose out, but a gust of wind just carries the bullet ever so slightly upward. And you see as a bullet hole appears in that massive tricorn feathery hat... And he's like, God, Zeus, someone seems to be firing at me. Ah, oh, there. And he points down and uh, there are a series of Minutemen who now turn their attention towards you, artist, uh, with foils like fencing, fencing swords and muskets in their hand. Uh, but you did manage to actually just you did manage to get through his guard a little bit. And his hat's covered in neon paint. And his hat is covered in neon paint. Uh, he's very upset. Uh, okay, for those of you by mm-hmm. the 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 chain, uh, what are you doing here? As you again, you see the pirates are coming off. They're immediately jumping off, and some of them are just right away getting into battle with these uh, these definitely like you know musketeer outfitted uh, folk. What do you want to do? Uh, not the one with Audrey on it. 
Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's, I guess, push our way through. Okay. If you just want to force your way through, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a strength uh, as you're just trying to kind of force your way past because what this is going to amount to is you trying to knock some of these pirates off. Uh, so I'm going to put this at a, def- at a difficulty of one. Uh, to just sort of, if you're not going on the ogre's one, if you're just trying to get across uh, the the non-ogre one, uh, go for it. All right. Five. That is a success. Okay. Uh, you have two successes, right? Or just one? Uh, I only have, if it's, a, if, if it's a difficulty of what, uh, minus one, then I only have one dice to roll. Well, no, no, no. Roll your normal die. Because the, uh, yes. the difficulty removes a success. It doesn't ah, remove a die. Okay, let me roll a second dice. That's also mm-hmm. a five, so two fives. So okay, that so is two still- fives. One of those successes goes away, and since one remains, you two manage as Leaf, you hop up onto the chain. And again, these are it's a very wide chain. Think of it like a, like it's almost you know like a good four feet across in, in terms of its width. And you manage to just sort of shoulder you know one of these pirates off, and you just hear them go, and they fall down, and there's like a little woof in the cloud as they disappear into it, leaving behind a man-shaped hole uh, where he fell through. And you manage to stumble across onto the rocket ship. Um, Then uh, Tristan and Dredd, what about the two of you? So there are other pirates on the chains coming, on the chain coming across? Oh yeah, just imagine it's just like a funnel. Like they're not immediately caring about you all just yet, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that's not going to change. So... But yeah, go Dredd, ahead. Dredd looks at the at the front pirate and he goes, "You know your death is on this ship. You fear it. You feel it crushing your soul, calling deep into you. Turn and flee back across the chain. Throw your brothers into the sky and clear a path. It's your only way." Okay. And I will try to control him. Uh, it'll be a difficulty of one on this, so you'll remove one of your successes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how'd you do? Uh, so I got a total... It doesn't work exactly that way, so I got a total of a six uh, your, on... your spell, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's I got a total of a... Of, well, two, that is, sorry. Two on, uh, on the intensity effect. So if he wants to resist it, he has to uh, roll a wisdom check against a difficulty of one. Okay, wisdom against difficulty of one. Okay. Yep. Um. So manipulate because you're doing control, right? Manipulate them with emotion and steal their agency plus one disadvantage per intensity on actions opposing the compulsion. No, that's fine for now. Manage on that. Okay. So what is their wisdom? Let's take a look. Um, they have, they have two wisdom. So I need to get two successes off of this. Uh, unfortunately, I only rolled one success, which the difficulty will cancel out. Mm-hmm. So you control him, and he turns and he stops. Like screeches to a halt on top of this this hefty change. He's like, I, ah, I'll do everything. I'm gonna die. Everyone, run, run, run! And he starts pushing people off as he turns around and tries to run back to the rocket ship. And you see one or two of them fall, and more of those man-sized holes in this collab begin to form. Um, but I also say that you probably see as he as he continues to run across, like he's gonna come into 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 close proximity with the cred pirate at that point. Uh, but Tristan, we'll turn to you. What is it you do? I'll call out the cred pirate. Has your pride finally taken you one step too far? Ha! How about you? And I'll get in there, start sword fighting with him, lean in close, 
Listen, old friend, we need to borrow a ride on your ship. You know how it goes. I'll play the part. Let's make a good scene. Back and forth, two your way, three my way, and then I break through, right? And I want to make it more of a charisma thing than an actual <laughs> fighting thing, but it's under the play of looking like a sword fight. I love That's this. Awesome. Uh, go ahead and roll. Uh, we'll put roll 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 your charisma on this. Um, okay. I think this is brilliant. Uh, but a diff. I'm still gonna put it at a difficulty of one. Okay. Yeah, I'm well, down difficulty for it. one. Hmm. Uh, so I've got two, a four and a six. I'll get rid of the four and I'll keep the six. Not that anything's gonna. Happens okay. special on the six, but yeah. So that's the other thing we don't really talk about. Uh, but if you have any remaining sixes after difficulties are removed, and you have the ability to use specials, you can essentially expend those sixes to to trigger those specials. Uh, I would say that in this case, if if for um, you know, if you're if you're at or near like the chains, uh, like I, I would say, some of the specials is maybe an attempt to like knock over. But in this case, you're trying to convince him, and he kind of leans forward and he's like, uh, and he's like, hmm friend tristan wade exactly i have not heard i have not seen your kind in ages it's right come on bring up your right and so the two of you are like having a conversation and fencing across and he's like i will give you a ride i guarantee it you have my word Uh of honor however wonderful you must help me first of course for a favor naturally the baron Baron must be taken out look Look at at him he's already bleeding I don't think that is blood. That looks like paint. Uh, good. Very strange. Take him out, and I will take you wherever you want to go. It is a terrible time. It is a terrible time. We have much to discuss. It's like you're going back and forth. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to kick over then to Diala. Uh, so Tristan is currently in a faux sword fight going across the rust. Dread has uh, convinced one of the one of the the pinstripe pirates to to just run away and push his friends off, which he's doing. Uh, Leaf, you've managed to shoulder your way across, and you are on on the on the rocket ship, uh, basically the the convertible rocket ship. Uh, and uh, Diala Christian and, and Artis- Dread had the same solution to the problem. They just <laughs> charisma. They are so similar. <laughs> Just different angles. Uh, And then we go to Diala. Yeah, so Diala um, kind of has her focus on Pennsylvania Poke. And so she is going to kind of like sneak over to where he is. I've got you. I've got a path. I see it. I see how I can get you from here to there. Hi. He looks over at you and he raises an eyebrow. He was extraordinarily startled when you said it's like, ah! And then he looks at you and he's like, don't worry, my lady, I shall save you. As he gets no, suddenly I'm very... No, I'm here to save no, you. No, 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 I I'm, insist. I'm, no, I am here to save you. No, I, I insist I shall save you. I have some very important artifacts that I need to get back to my museum. And he kind of holds up this bundle that he has tucked underneath his arm. So, but I will save you as well. They're both very important. And if I have to decide between saving a beautiful woman... And saving artifacts, it's a very difficult decision, and it's probably 50-50 at best, but I think in this case, I can do both. And Diala rolls her eyes quite dramatically, and it's like you're cowering in a corner, but sure. And so Strategically cowering in a corner. He's, he's got it, like, under his arm, where he's kind of holding that package. 
And so she's going to like reach up under and like pop it out okay. and grab it. I will escort both of you uh-huh. across. Okay. Uh, make a charisma check. Oh, no. Make a charisma check. <laughs> I thought about making Pennsylvania folk basically Wofford from our Forbidden Lands game, but I didn't think I could do that to Aaron and Kipser and Melissa encountering them twice per week. He would be dead really fast, I think. Uh, One success. Okay. Uh, So he turns to like, it's like, did you, do you, did you take his, his package of artifacts? Yes, I did. <laughs> I popped it up in the air and then grabbed it. And said, he looks I at am you. escorting both of you. He looks, like, he looks very upset. He's like, yes, yes, you. That's very smart. Yes, you carry that and I'll lead the way <laughs> after you. <laughs> so she and I imagine that she has plotted out places that have cover to be able to get from where we are okay. to kind of catch up with the group. So the two of you are trying to kind of sneak around, dodge some of these little melee. Because there's like groups of melees. You're hearing, Aah! you just see like an arm fly through the air and flop onto <laughs> the ground. Gunfire goes off. It explodes above your head and you see a wood paneling come off. Up behind you, you see a mass just fall. You hear the sounds of one of these Minutemen firing Aah! as the rope falls. And they just you hear a crack as their neck wraps around it. And they just hang limply off the side of the boat as you start to move away. Let's kick over to artist. Um, artist, I said before that there's a couple of these uh, Minutemen that uh, that took issue uh, with you firing at Baron Munch, and at this point, they're going to fire and attack you. Uh, I'm treating these; they're not individual. I'm treating them like groups, essentially, uh, like little little groups. Uh, so they're going to attack you. Um, I'm roll a Dex against you. Do you have any defense? Nope. Okay, so it's two as they're they're just gonna charge in. No! Huzzah! The Baron's honor is at stake! As they charge in. Um <laughs> and uh they get one success. Uh and so they essentially fire their muskets as they're charging in, missing gloriously. And then at the last second, one of them just happens to very ha! and they lunge out with uh with their sword and stab you very lightly. Uh, okay, and then it's you. What do you want to do? You just shot at the Baron. The Baron ordered them to attack you. You now have a small group of uh, of these Minutemen attacking you. You Around mm-hmm. you, I would say, uh, Diala is attempting to lead some guy across the ship. Tristan is dueling with someone on, on the chain. And you see Leaf on one side has somehow managed to get all the way over to the rocket ship. And Dread is, like, doing his weird, you know, force thing where he's making people hurt others. What do you want to do? Uh, where did the mast fall? Uh, well, where would you say you wanted it to fall there, artist? Onto the other ship. You want it to fall onto the rocket ship? Yeah, but like gentle. Okay, gentle. yeah. So we'll say you say the rocket ship is like coming down, but then it kind of gets tangled up a bit in some of its own uh, like some of its own ropes and sails and stuff, and that kind of slowly breaks the fall. And then you see that there's a couple Minutemen are like uh, as the Baron, uh, men, get this, put your, get, catch it, don't let it fall. And you see a few of them run up to try to hold the mass and just kind of get splattered. But that little extra splatter slows it down and it slams on the other side of the rocket ship, causes some damage, but not necessarily anything too terrible. So it has fallen. What would you like to do, artist? 
Okay, so he will sprint towards the mast, and he's going to take the mast to the uh, rocket ship. And as he's doing it, he's going to, holding his rifle in one hand, he's going to pull out a spray can in the other. And as he does, he's going to make like a slippery slip and slide in front of him. And he's going to slide across and turns toward the Baron as he's sliding backwards onto the spaceship and firing at him. That is absolutely badass. Uh, Roll, I assume, a dex. Uh, It sounds like you're just firing. Yeah, go for it. That sounds amazing. Roll your dex. Same same difficulty as before, yeah. Mm, Just two, so it's nothing. Okay, you fire again, and this time you see an explosion of uh, of bright uh, paint right behind him. Uh, And he looks you down. You, sir, you have... How dare you! I shall remember your face for eternity. What? What did you say? What? Oh, where did he go? Where did that one go? As he starts looking around for you at this point, as you are now on the other side of the ship, or on the other ship. Excuse me. Uh, Dread uh, and Leaf. Let's go to you, as the two of you, uh, Leaf. You're on the rocket side of the chain. Dread will say you have just possibly cleared a path for yourself. What, what would the two of you like to do? So does Dread hear Tristan's conversation with Cred. Tristan, were you trying to keep it secret? Uh, Tristan is keeping this conversation secret. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent. I mean, okay. Tristan can't help but be loud. If you're close to him, you probably get the gist. Like, you know, Sean slash Tristan well enough. I would say you could even roll a wisdom test or something like okay. that if you let, wanted let me, to let, like perceive. Let me do that because because depending on whether or not I heard what he said or didn't hear what I what he said would determine like, what I would be doing next. So I'll do a wisdom do, check. We've been together we'll long enough. You know the difference between showy fencing oh, nice. versus actual fighting. Okay, I got a six, so I, I guess I probably successes. yeah probably would have heard it. This okay, is so, showmanship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Dread looks at Tristan. And you can see he he's just wants to get to the rocket ship, but he turns and he looks up at the Baron and he yells out, Baron, you're yes. old. You're old. Your bones are breaking. The weight of your heart beating within your chest is crushing you. You live yes. no you live no more. And I will attack him. Um and as he's as he's thinking of this, he's remembering. Uh, a moment in his real life when he was stuck in a gang war between two different factions, his his people and another group, and they were evenly matched. And he, he recognized in that moment the only way to gain the advantage was to take out the leader of the other gang. And he leveled and fired and shot the guy right between the eyes. And that was that was enough to break the morale of the other group, and his people were successful. So I want to use that flashback Absolutely. to get an advantage in my in my approach here. Absolutely. While Aaron's rolling that, that's one of the mechanics in game once per session. If you come if you use a flashback to describe how something in your real life past is helping you in the, uh, the current moment, you get an advantage, an extra D6 in your pool. That's what you get. Come on, people. Oh, what a... Okay, I got a four, so a total of five on the intensity effect. Okay. Um, So he has... He's got to make a wisdom roll against an intensity of two, because you round down for your intensity, I'm pretty sure. So is intensity translate into difficulty for him? 
not not exactly. So it's yeah, it's difficulty. So he makes his wisdom check um, okay. against a difficulty of two. Okay, it's okay. He only has two wisdom. It's not very wise. Uh, and I rolled one success, so it is um, that is a fail. So this is what's going to happen uh, because uh, I'm going to I'm going to steer this a little bit. So what's what's going to happen is 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 as you're like he's like he's like what yes of course yes I'm old yes my my bones of course of course of course and I die what is that that's a very curious thing to say and all of a sudden his body explodes not his head his body explodes <laughs> oh goodness and his head flops down onto the deck and he <laughs> continues to talk he's like men help I can't. Help, help me! Oh, what just happened? Oh goodness! Oh goodness gracious! And he's just constantly talking, and as his his, his people are coming to help him, they're like they stumble in. Like you see a couple of melees. His head gets caught up in, and it gets kind of kicked around like a soccer ball for a bit. It's like, oh, move, move, wait, ah. and then you watch at a certain point, his head just kind of flies over the gunwale. And that is the last we hear of Baron Munch uh, as his head goes flying over the edge today. Okay, um, Leaf, let's go to you. Up, Deacon. <laughs> it was pretty disgusting. Uh, uh, well, it looks like Sean has got some sort of deal going, so let's keep people off the, or let's keep the opposite team off of the uh, chains, and we're just gonna start pew pew pewing them and making sure that Delilah and uh, Chad can get up here. Okay. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I think Chad already kind of moved across, across the mast. Uh, Diala, Leaf, uh, Tristan, you're still doing your fake. You're mm-hmm. sort of, okay. So yeah. I'll say, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. We'll applaud you later. <laughs> um, a deal is a deal. Don't oh. worry, I'll yield right at the end. I'm, I'm going to push you back to your own ship. But you'll get the last flourish. Yes, I have to maintain a certain of course, level of course. respect for my men. But I, I have to get near the finish line. But clearly yeah, you'll it, win. Um, well, clearly, sir, you are a far superior. I mean, no, a don't Wade, of all things. No, come now, come now. Um, and so as the two of you kind of go back and forth, and you're pushing him back and pushing him back, and right as it looks like you know, you're about to get him, he turns and spins, and he like, Hit you playfully on the back of the head with like oh, the I forgot you're not left-handed. <laughs> I'm ambidextrous, my friend. And then you hear all of like his the people around him start cheering and stuff like that. Uh, and you can see on the other side on the other ship, like definitely with Baron Munch being taken out, like the the pirates are starting to swarm. Uh, Diala and Leaf, or excuse me, Diala, you are leading uh, the uh, Pennsylvania poke? poke across. Um, as you step up. To the rust, the, the rusted chain, which is now empty, as Tristan has cleared it off with the uh, with the cred pirate, uh, the Minutemen of this ship of the uh, of the true currency conglomerate, uh, they are kind of retreating, and and some of them are surrendering. Surrender, surrender, and we'll say we'll close then on all of you making it on board of this souped out rocket ship with one side peeled away, and so it is basically like a 1960s rocket that is very much like a convertible. And we'll end with you all boarding that ship. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun watching everybody like roll out all of their effects. That was nuts. I'm so happy. It was so cool. 
Oh, yeah. oh okay. only gets cooler from here. <laughs> Spray awesome. painting stuff into existence. Yeah, I was like awesome. trying to think so of a clever. way to like have yeah, yeah like yeah. art be his yeah thing. And I was like, you're oh, Green Lantern. Paint, yeah. You are a Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah you are a little Green Lantern. Yeah, uh, I thought it was awesome. Um, I don't know. Y'all having fun? We good? Like yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So much. Awesome. Awesome. Aaron, remember to do a flashback. I'm like, oh, that's totally yeah. what Diala should have done was a flashback. Like yep. that would have fit into the like mechanics of the game perfectly. But we all know for next time. So you all have sided with the rocket cartel over the true currency conglomerate. I figured uh, that's probably what you would do. Yeah. Uh, I had the, I had a sudden feeling that oh pirates, it's probably what they would do, but you never know. Uh, okay. You recruited Pennsylvania Poke. He's, he's with you now too, so we can see what that's all about. And, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll sort of pick up, uh, at that moment afterwards as you guys are in this world, you're up in the sky above it. And, um, yeah, uh, why don't we do some, uh, close on the round table and then we get out of here. Uh, let's see, Aaron, what's going on with Garblag? So Garblag, next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Millie will be continuing with some Coriolis and then come back on Thursday at the same time for Pete. Garblag himself will be continuing his Traveler campaign. Fantastic. Uh, Spinward marches, I think. I think yes, the it's the Spinward yeah. marches, yeah. Very nice. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, let's see, Jeremy, tell us about uh, the Patreon. Yeah, Aaron Reese on Patreon, comics, maps, tokens, fun stuff. Check it out. And uh, as is, uh, I think, a funny tradition. Uh, uh, Evan, you got anything going on? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'm going to say something just to troll you, but not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day. Uh, okay, as for us here, let's see what we, what we have next. Tomorrow, uh, we're back to Delta Green. If you want to come check that out episode two we'll see if anyone gets out uh, of our, our our opening uh, prologue for our new campaign uh saturday we're gonna be doing some one ring as we're very much nearing the end of that one as we're gonna be getting the final mustering and then we kind of march up to angmar for our one ring finale uh monday we should be doing some call of cthulhu uh jeremy will rejoin the channel for that one uh and uh and then tuesday our dear pal steven uh will uh be running uh, well, myself, Kipser, Melissa, Aaron, uh, through Forbidden Lands, uh, and he will uh, have to sit there while we brutally murder his uh, f- his favorite new otter NPC because uh, it, uh, it's going down. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be back next week with more with more die. Uh, this is going to be we're going to try to do this every Thursday uh, for as long as we're interested in it. So that's about it. All right. Thank you to everyone who raided tonight. I think we had two raids. Uh, so thank you so much for those raids. Uh, if you haven't followed the channel yet, please do. It's very kind of you if you did. Uh, if you are watching this later on YouTube or if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, uh, consider going to the YouTube page, Adventures in Lollygagging, subscribing there, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and uh, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go ahead and raid someone, pay it forward, Let's see who's up. Uh, Critical Role is up. I guess we could raid them, but that seems really ridiculous. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and raid TT2KB uh, and we're going to raid and they're playing some Pathfinder. So follow the raid and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>